It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? This is the Locked on Yankees podcast, your daily podcast covering the New York Yankees. As always, we are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're a new listener, hello and welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm your host, Stacey Gatsoulias, and you can follow me on Twitter at the Locked On Yankees account or at my personal account, Stace Gotts. You can listen and subscribe to Locked On Yankees on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also listen to the show on our website, LockedOnYankees.com. And finally, you can play Locked On Yankees on your smart speakers by saying podcast Locked On Yankees. As always, you can email questions or comments to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. In today's episode, we have a lot of t- a lot of stuff to talk about, which is good because it's the off season for the Yankees. But woo, there was a lot of stuff that happened on Friday, so I'll update you on that. We'll have quotes from Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman about the disappointing end to the 2018 series season. I have a playoff game story to tell, and I'll update you on what's been happening in both league championship series. So, who else nearly fainted when they saw the news on? Didi Gregorius and that he needed Tommy John surgery. (laughs) I'm assuming there are a few of you out there who reacted like I did. To say that I was shocked would be an understatement because the news came seemingly out of nowhere and was a gut punch. Or was it out of nowhere? The Yankees and Didi seemed to pinpoint the injury to a throw he made in the seventh inning in game two at Fenway. And after he made a couple of routine throws that both took short hops en route to first base during game four, they could tell something was wrong. So apparently when Gregorius was traded to the Yankees after the 2014 season, he was diagnosed with an asymptomatic ligament tear that Brian Cashman said everyone pretty much forgot about as Didi's career went on with the Yankees. But after those throws in game four, Cashman knew that something was up. He also said this about Didi, quote, if something's bothering him, he's wired in a way that either he just doesn't feel it or he purposely conceals it. He's just the type that's not going to focus on it and he's going to go out and do the best he possibly can. Um, Doesn't that sound like another Yankees shortstop who would never say that he was hurt? And if he hadn't crumpled to the ground in 2012, probably would have stayed in that game with a broken ankle if he could have (laughs) walked on it. The bottom line is this, the Yankees won't be in dire straits without Didi. I mean, it's going to stink missing all of those home runs, but they have Gleyber Torres to fill in it short, which is ironic because he himself had Tommy John surgery after he slid into home plate awkwardly. Isn't that weird? Uh, They could also sign Manny Machado because Hal Steinbrenner said the team is willing to spend money this offseason. We'll get to that later. But it was quite the press conference on Friday, because not only was Didi's injury announced, but it was also announced that CC Sabathia underwent knee surgery again. This wasn't as shocking as the Didi revelation, because CC has had <laughs> Didi and CC. CC has had knee problems for years now, and it was the third straight season after which Sabathia has required some sort of arthroscopic work on his bulky right knee. 
He was also on the DL in August because of his knee, which I feel you, Cece. Both of my knees are trash. They've been trash since I was a teenager, and I will probably need double knee replacement before I'm 50. So I briefly touched upon the fact that Hal Steinbrenner said the Yankees will spend money this offseason. He said, quote, we're going to leave no stone unturned. Every single option that comes across my desk, I'm going to be considering. I don't know who that is or who that isn't. We haven't begun that process yet. He's such a liar. They began that process at the beginning of this season. <laughs> and this offseason marks 10 years since the really big offseason that the Yankees had when they got Nick Swisher, they signed CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett, and then they stole Tex at the last minute, and then they went on to win the 09 World Series. That was a fun offseason. The day that we all found out that the Yankees got to Shara was one of my favorite days online because it seemed as though he was going to Boston. And at the last second, it was like, no, he's going to the Yankees. And everyone was like, what? Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, Boone and Cashman had other things to say during their end of the press, end of the press, end of the season press conference. They both voiced their disappointment in how this season ended. Dude, me too. Uh, They're also looking ahead to next season. And hey, maybe Boone was doing that during game four, which would explain his really bad decision making. I'm really not over that yet. Keeping Miguel Andujar on the bench in Game 4 was nearly as bad as Buck Showalter leaving Zach Britton in the bullpen against the Blue Jays. So both Boone and Cashman discussed Giancarlo Stanton's issues this season and more specifically his awful showing against the Red Sox in the division series. Now, obviously, Brian Cashman isn't going to say that he regrets acquiring Stanton. I mean, the man did hit 38 home runs this season, but my dude needs to work on pitch recognition because he can look really ugly up there. Um, Looking at good pitches, swinging at bad pitches, it's just, I don't know if he needs glasses or what, but something needs to be done. Um, They also discussed Gary Sanchez's awful 2018 and both agreed that he has the potential to be a much more dangerous player. And we all saw that during game two against the Sox. And we've seen it all season where he can turn on a ball and hit it 450, 470 feet. But he's also another one who he just doesn't seem to make adjustments at the plate. Or when he does, those adjustments seem to be short-lived and that he falls back into his bad habit of kind of like Stanton looking at good pitches, swinging at bad pitches. Or no, more in Sanchez's, he he swings a lot more, or at least he seems to swing a lot more, which was frustrating. So hopefully they'll work with him on that. Um, Boone said this about next season. He said, uh, I can't wait to continue this chase or to chase this thing. I'm assuming this thing is the World Series. Um, He said that overall, it's been amazing. He loved this season. It's tough. It's fun. And about the job, it's tough. It's fun. It's rewarding. It's gut-wrenching. It's painful when it comes to an abrupt end. But I wouldn't want to be doing anything else right now. Hey, I mean, you're the manager of the New York Yankees. It's You're under a lot of scrutiny. And every little thing that you do is under a microscope like not bringing Andujar in in game four or keeping Sabathia in the game too long or leaving Severino in the game too long. Again, still not over it. 
Anyway, he also said, especially with our guys, what I know we're capable of and knowing we're one of those teams that walks in with a chance to gain the ultimate prize, which is another world championship, to have that opportunity with this group, I don't take lightly. So up next, I'm going to tell a story about a playoff clincher that I attended on this day many years ago. But first, I love telling stories about games that I've attended because I've been lucky to have attended many great playoff games thanks to my package that I had at the old stadium. And God, I can't believe it's been that long. 17 years ago tonight, I attended a game with my dad. And I'd like to tell you the whole story about it just because uh, it was fun. Oh, and it happened to be a Monday that year. Huh. Weird. Okay. So I worked at NBC. I worked there from 99 to 09. And I was sitting at my desk and, you know, we had caller ID and I saw my dad's number. And, you know, he usually would call me um, if he wanted to know a hint in the New York Times crossword puzzle that he wasn't sure of. Usually it had to do with music or TV. Um, one time he called me up and he said, <laughs> he said, Duran Duran sings Hungry Like the Wolf, right? And I said, yes, daddy. And I'm very proud of you for knowing that. So that's what I was expecting when I picked up the phone. And I don't even think I finished saying hi before he asked me if I wanted to go to the game that night. He said, Stasela, which that's what he called me. Want to go to the Yankee game tonight? I got us two tickets. And I'll tell you, I hesitated a bit because I was at game two against Oakland a few nights earlier and watched them lose in person. And it was awful because there was such a sense of doom and gloom because they were down 0-2, they were going to Oakland, you know, people were like, oh God, they're going to get swept. And even after they won both games in Oakland, I still was uneasy about going to game five because I've never, I had up to that point, I'd never been to a clincher before. And I was so afraid I'd be crying in front of strangers if they lost. (laughs) And, but then I thought about something my dad said after the flip play. That was one of the moments in my life where my dad actually jumped out of his chair after a sports play. He didn't really let his emotions show that much during sporting events. But after Giambi was called out at the plate, my dad jumped up and he's like, oh man, they're going to win this series. So I had that playing in my head and I thought, okay, I'll say, okay. So I said, sure. And then we discussed where we were going to meet, what time um, I should leave my office. Then we hung up. And then as soon as I put the receiver down, you know, I almost had a panic attack and I was like, oh God, please let them win tonight. Because again, I didn't want to cry in front of strangers. <laughs> um, so I left my office at five thirty. met my dad up in the Bronx. And when he handed my ticket to me, I, I, I giggled because the seats were only a box over from my regular Sunday seats and they were in the same row and they were way better than any seats that I had in my playoff package that year. Um, For the first couple of years of my season plan, the Yankees liked sticking me in the very top of the upper deck and usually uh, just around the foul poles, never all the way out in the outfield, but just really high up like row R row S just ridiculous. So, um, I was a little happy about that because I was going to be sitting in a place that was pretty familiar to me. 
So after making our way to the seats, I took a deep breath. I crossed myself like the good Catholic girl that I was at that time. And my dad looked at me very confidently, as he always did. And I always say, I wish I got this gene, but I didn't. (laughs) He was like, they're going to win. Don't even worry. And I was like, okay. Okay, daddy. And uh, I'm a naturally anxious person. And, you know, especially then, it was only a month after 9-11. And, you know, between that worrying about being blown up and (laughs) worrying about the Yankees advancing to the next round, I couldn't eat anything. I could barely drink anything. I was just a nervous wreck. And my dad could tell that something was really wrong with me when I turned down a a bag of peanuts because I always ate peanuts at Yankee games. And whenever I stood up, I was rocking back and forth, which became a habit for me during many playoff games. (laughs) And that season, I, from that night on, I wore a gray sweater coat, which became my uniform for the remainder of the postseason. Um, Because during game two, I wore all Yankee stuff and they lost. And I'm like, okay, I'm not wearing any Yankee stuff to any games I go to if they make it to the LCS in the World Series. There's not going to be a a stitch of Yankee stuff on me. So uh, Oakland scored first. And I remember I looked at my dad and he's like, I'm telling you, we got this. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then they scored again in the second to make it 2 nothing, And I was slightly worried. But then the Yankees came back and score two to tie it. And then they scored a run in the third and the fourth to make it four, two, which was a good sign. And then, uh, Oakland cut the lead to four, three in the fifth. And Jason Giambi was the one who kept scoring for Oakland and hitting for them. He ended up four for four in that game. And I can distinctly remember after the hit in the fifth inning, my dad screaming, they can't get this guy out. (laughs) Oh, man. That was so funny. David Justice hit a home run in the bottom of the sixth to make it 5-3. In the seventh, Johnny Damon hit the foul ball that caused Jeter to flip into the camera pit and make the catch. Um, That was the flip play that people usually forget about. Um, but I remember my dad was like, oh, that had to hurt. And it did hurt because that play affected Jeter all the way through the World Series. So <clears throat> uh, Mo came in in the eighth and Giambi hit another base hit. And my dad distinctly said, he's just putting a show, putting on a show for Steinbrenner. And I remember at the time, being horrified by the thought of someone else playing first base because I had finally gotten used to Tino Martinez. (laughs) And at that point in 2001, Martinez had been there a while, but I grew up a Don Mattingly girl. So it took me a while to warm up to Tino. And, you know, at the time Giambi was like greasy and just, he looked dirty and I just couldn't imagine him being a Yankee. And then I ended up loving him, which was all funny. Um, So Giambi actually didn't score. He was stranded on base. And, you know, when Mo came out to pitch the top of the ninth, you could feel it in the stadium. Like you could feel that the Yankees were going to win the game. And he struck out Eric Burns to end the game. And 
they, the Yankees won. I watched them, you know, clinch a series in person and I jumped up and down and was so excited. And I gave my dad a really big hug and I thanked him profusely for calling me that afternoon. And I was just excited because I, up to that point, hadn't been able to experience a series clinching game with my dad. I was up at school in 96, and my mom never called me to tell me that my dad had an extra ticket waiting for me for Game 6 of the World Series. And it's 22 years later, and I'm still not over that. <laughs> but even though the game on October 5th of 01 you know, wasn't a World Series winning game, it was still cool. And it would turn out to be the only time... Um, one of the only times that I'd be alone at a game with my dad, but it was fitting because I saw the Yankees celebrate moving on in the playoffs with my dad, because after all, he was the person who took me to my first two Yankee games 35 years ago. And if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be the rabid Yankee fan that I am today. I wouldn't be writing about the Yankees. I wouldn't be podcasting about the Yankees. So I owe that all to him. Up next, we'll talk about the playoffs, even though I don't really care about what happens. <laughs> but first, right now, both league championship series are tied at a game apiece. The Brewers, why can't I say the Brewers? The Brewers won game one and the Dodgers won game two. While in the American League, the Astros won game one and the Red Sox won game two. Now, David Price still hasn't earned his first postseason win, even though the Red Sox won last night. Uh, but his bullpen quieted the Astros' bats and the Red Sox earned the win. Now, I'm not really rooting for anyone in the, a, uh, the NLCS, I like both teams in different ways because I think it would be cool for the Brewers to go all the way just because who the hell would have expected that. But I guess it would also be cool for the Dodgers because they were so close last season and couldn't get it done. They've won the NL West six years in a row and have no World Series rings to show for it. And maybe this one World Series win could shut up Giant fans who love rubbing in the fact that the Giants did so well at the beginning of this decade. As for the American League Championship Series, I'm rooting for the Meteor. <laughs> I would root for ISIS before I'd root for the Red Sox, and the Astros are just annoying. <laughs> but they're off today. So let's discuss the National League Championship Series. So Game 3 is scheduled for tonight in Los Angeles. And the pitching matchup is Jolice Chassin against Walker Bueller. Bueller is a rookie. He's done really well this year. And it should be a good matchup. But, of course, you never know. So the Brewers right now really need Chassin to, I think it's Chassin. I think I pronounced it wrong earlier, to go long tonight because they've been relying on their bullpen, and if Chassin could pitch into the sixth or seventh inning with a, with a lead, it would be a big deal for the Brewers. Now, if he doesn't, and Craig Council has to go to his bullpen again, the Brew crew could be in deep trouble with the next three games in Los Angeles. Since Josh Hader's 
shutdown performance in the first game of the series, the Brewers' bullpen has had some trouble. They've pitched five and a third innings, have allowed 16 base runners and six runs to score. And if it continues, look for this series to not be a seven-game series like everyone hoped for and expected. If the Brewers have to rely on the bullpen, the Dodgers could very well end the series at home. Hader was not available in Game 2. He will be available in Game 3. But since Games 3, 4, and 5 are being played three days in a row, I don't envision him pitching in Game 4. So the Brewers will have to rely on other bullpen arms to quiet the Dodgers' bats. So let's talk a little bit about the starters Chassin's splits against lefties and righties. His OPS against lefties is 781. Against righties, it's 528. Cody Bellinger and Jock Peterson have had success against him, hitting home runs against him. His most effective pitch is his slider, and according to ESPN, he's thrown it 44% of the time. Bueller, (laughs) I always laugh when I say his name, Bueller has a plus fastball, slider, and curveball, while he also has a sinker and a cutter that aren't too bad either. So I would say that the keys to this game, or the key to this game, would be who gets to the other team's bullpen first. I will not make a definitive prediction, but if the Dodgers chase Chassin early, look for them to take game three. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I'm hoping that it turns into a pitcher's duel and it's a close game. And, you know, I don't want it to be one of those games where Chasin is chased early. The Dodgers are up like six, nothing. And like, those games are boring. I mean, I know it's not boring for Dodgers fans to see that, but I just want close games because I'm going to watch tonight's game. I haven't really watched anything up to this point because I'm still mourning the Yankees (laughs) and I, I certainly don't want to watch Boston against Houston. Um, But I will watch tonight's game in Los Angeles to see what happens. But again, no definitive prediction here. I just think that if the Dodgers chase Chasin early, they will probably win the game. Oh, and one more thing I'd like to mention. Um, I had been off social media for a few days, and I logged into Instagram earlier, and I didn't realize that A-Rod and David Ortiz had a bet going, and because the Yankees lost to the Red Sox, A-Rod had to wear a Red Sox hat and jersey, and he posted that picture on Instagram, and it was the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. It was almost like that ESPN commercial where Ortiz is fixing, was he fixing Posada's hat? And then he put the hat on to bend the brim and Wally, the Red Sox mascot, saw him and Ortiz is like, Wally, no, this it's not what you think. So that's what it reminded me of. It was amusing. If you don't have Instagram, just go to Instagram.com backslash A-Rod, I think. That's what it should be. And you'll see it. It's funny. 
So that's it for today's episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I've been your host, Stacey Gatsoulias. You can follow me at Locked On Yankees or at my personal account, Stay Scots. You can email me questions or comments at lockedonnyy at gmail.com. You can also rate this podcast on Apple and on Google. You can subscribe at Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and please rate the podcast and spread the word about the podcast. I'd like to build up the audience and you know, know what you I want to know what you guys like and what you don't like so I can make the show better. So enjoy your day, everyone, even us people in the Northeast who are stuck with this dark and gloomy day. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.